So, Conrad, I got a story for you. Hit me up. Go. Tried to uh, contact my bank, and uh, the short version is they have a form on their website, but you can't tell if they received your message. Because they don't reply that message received? No autoresponder, no... Wouldn't you expect that at this day and age, Guy? You know, that's just one example of like CRM horror stories gone wrong. You know another one that drives me nuts? is the star vertical bar F name vertical bar star when you get that from a company and it's like, obviously their CRM just broke. Yeah. You know a good story about CRM? I remember last week I sang to you for your birthday. You did. That's a great use of CRM. That is. Did you did your CRM remind you to sing for me on my birthday? Uh, no, but Facebook reminded me to sing for you on your ah. birthday, and you're now in my CRM with your birthdays in it. And a good CRM might pull my birthday from Facebook. Two weeks ahead of time, so I can send you like a bottle of, I was going to say a bottle of chocolates. Speaking of, happy Valentine's <laughs> Day, everyone coming up. Happy Valentine's Day. Don't be that person who forgets the chocolates. Is this going to be published before Valentine's Day? Too late. Sorry if you missed it. If you missed it, you're in the doghouse Guy and Conrad, because we know CRM, knew that Valentine's Day was coming up, and we're prepared. There we go. What are we talking about today? So, big, big, big news coming out of the FTC that impacts everyone listening. So wait for that. And uh, we're also going to be talking really quickly about Tech Show. But most of this podcast is dedicated to the amazing practice of CRM. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Let's do some news. Hey, Guy, you're on the uh, Tech Show board. Can you talk to us about Startup Alley finalists? Yes, the Startup Alley finalists have been announced. You can check them out over at uh, Bob Ambrosi's Law Sites blog. A lot of great companies there. You know, if you're on the fence right now about going to Tech Show, I highly encourage you to. Obviously, I'm on the board, so I'm biased, but it is really, it's a great opportunity to learn about new tech. It's a great way to meet people implement new things at your firm. And I think you should go in person because I think there's a relationship benefit, but don't miss Startup Alley. It's the first night, great tradition, really cool way to kick off Tech Show. And I find going to Startup Alley, honestly, it is a really good way to open your mind about what's possible with technology and the practice of law. You know, I've been doing this since 2006 and I'm always inspired and sometimes horrified by some of the people <laughs> who show up at the Startup Alley. Cool. Okay. Moving on from Tech Show, the FTC is in the news about review gating. This hit the press this morning. And so, Geek, can you tell our great listeners what review gating is? And we can get into what the FTC's beef is specifically, because this is big news. Yeah. And it's not just review gating, it's the FTC uh, released new guidelines about online reviews for the platforms, but also for businesses. So let's start with the re review gating piece. And, and by the way, since you know this is just a quick news bite, go to Near Media 
co and check out Mike Blumenthal's articles on this. He covers it really well. But um, short version, FTC sent out letters to specific platforms that Blumenthal lists that says, hey, the way you're describing what you do, it's review gating. And if you do this, you're in violation of the FTC guidelines. We've talked about review gating in the past, but essentially what it is, is, is you're only asking happy clients. So you do something to like get feedback from a client. If they respond positively, then you send them to leave a review. If they respond negatively, then you don't. So the idea is like you're, you're gating the negative reviews from getting published. In the FTC's words, they say that they are concerned that consumers will be misled that the reviews displayed do not accurately reflect the view of purchasers who submitted reviews, right? <laughs> now, the interesting thing is they didn't send this to Google, there's lots of reviews right. on Google. I thought the same thing. I was like, where's Google? <laughs> um, maybe they, maybe but, that but, letter got lost. Yeah. In fairness, though, Google doesn't gate reviews. You can go to Google and leave a happy review, negative review. It's the layer before the review itself, right? That's the thing. It's the lawyer who says, did you like our service? Great. Yeah. Here's a link to right. Google. Right. Oh, you didn't? Oh, well, I'm sorry. Then let's talk yeah. about this very privately on this non-recorded phone line. Right. Another thing, though, that as you brought up the Google thing that I thought was interesting is this has been true for lawyers, I think, under most state bar rules, at least I can think off the top of my head for even before these guidelines, but FTC is expanding it. If your SEO company or your reputation management company goes out and creates fake reviews, you, the business owner, are liable for those fake reviews. Did you hear that? Yep. Would SEO companies do that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I To me, that's the biggest problem. I mean, review gain is a problem, but this is the real issue. Now, enforcement. Now, the difference now is, though, see, in the past, you had to go through all the gobbledygook to figure out like who the SEO company was and blah, blah, blah. Now it's just like, nope, we had good evidence. This is a fake review. I'm just suing the business. What if the SEO company was dumb enough to do those fake reviews under their own name? Say we're like they were right. like the VP of development at like a big, big, yeah. you know, provider. No, my my favorite is is like when you figure out like it's one of them and then you go and you can just find it on every single one of their client sites. So it's mm -hmm. like it's just as bad as like a really bad link network, but it's a review network and it's um not cool and officially against the new FTC guidelines. And um, anyways, check it out. They also have some guidance on uh, incentivizing. So, you know, whether you're going to like offer a gift card for a review or if you're going to ask. They do say, unlike Yelp, which Blumenthal mentions, it's okay to ask for reviews. Even the FTC says it's okay to ask for reviews. But Yelp is going to hold out for a little right. bit longer. And now for the Legal Trends Report Minute, brought to you by Clio. Client intake and client relationship management, CRM software, helps law firms develop enhanced client experiences, especially during the crucial intake phase of a legal matter. These solutions make it easier for law firms to keep track of potential clients who reach out to the firm ensuring streamlined operations at each step of the intake process. Online forms make it easier and more convenient for potential clients to share basic information related to their matter, and online booking systems make connecting for an initial consultation simple. 
On the firm side, client intake software ensures all the staff know what stage each client is in within their intake workflow and allows staff to automate reminders and follow-ups. And this whole episode really was driven by this part of the Legal Trends Report, right? Because it is amazing how many different aspects that CRM can impact at your firm from a client experience standpoint. And so, you know, we're going to go through that today, talk about a lot of the different ways they can impact that and talk about some options. To learn more about these opportunities and much more for free, download Clio's Legal Trends Report at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O. All right, let's take an ad break. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app. Smart firms use CallRail to track where every lead comes from. PPC, LSA, organic search, or even offline ads. CallRail tells you which channels drive your best leads. CallRail even integrates with your favorite CRM or practice management tools to help manage your leads and see the ROI on your marketing investments. Know exactly which marketing tools work. Plans start at 45 bucks a month. We recommend CallRail to every single one of our clients. Go to callrail.com slash lunch hour now and try it for free. All right, kids, it's time for yet another class at Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Welcome back to LHLM 101. This week, we are talking about CRM. Professor Sam, let's start here. What is CRM? So it's actually a really old software, right? And it stands for Customer Relationship Management. And in the legal world, it's been broken out into two really distinct components. One is what you guys are all fairly familiar with, which is matter management, right? So there's this whole process about getting a matter from start to finish. And, you know, there's varying levels of automation and integration and invoicing and billing and time tracking and document management and all that stuff. The other side of it that has become really, really hot Right. I think this is a really, really big change in the uh, a widespread change in the, the market right now is what has been called intake management software. And that's what Guy was referring to is really talking about how can it, it and it does two things. The first is how can we make the prospective client's experience amazing, right? Nordstrom level amazing when they're first engaging with us. And the second part of that, and it's completely different and completely different function, but as important to me, especially as a marketer, perhaps even more important, is in the automation of that process, what kind of data can we develop about our marketing, about our firm? What is the actionable stuff that we can actually be talking about? And the reason I think this is so big, Guy, is because you, know, you and I have been dealing with 
you know, nap and meta descriptions and core web vitals and all of this kind of technical miasma. Some lawyers have learned it. Most haven't. Most don't really care. But it's not really business drivers, right? Your H1 tags shouldn't really be a business driver. And as a law firm, you probably don't want to have business conversations around H1 tags. But you can have business conversations around things like, how often do we answer the phone? Which of my lawyers turns prospects into clients at the best rate, right? And that's why, to me, the leveraging up of the experience at a law firm is really enabled by CRM, specifically in, in this situation, intake management software. Yeah. And I, I think back, there's two kind of like poignant things that I remember from my own experience. I don't know, maybe poignant strong, but the first is I think back to like when I practiced law, you know, eons ago for a very, very brief period of time. And I think about the expectations that we would set with clients, right? So like this, you know, we're talking about like 2005-ish, we'll call it. And you know, if a client wanted to get a hold of me, they call the firm, right? The receptionist might answer the phone. If we're doing intake, they'd call. Receptionist might answer the phone, try to transfer it to the lawyer. We'd perform an intake. And then we'd either be like, next step, you know, you got to come in and we'd be talking retainer agreement and, you know, investigation. Or we'd be, you know, saying, hey, you know, we're just not, this isn't a case. If it was some case, we didn't think it was a case or, you know, sending a turndown letter. And that whole experience from a client standpoint was extremely cumbersome, right? Because guess what? First they'd call up, oh, we're going to take a message, right? Because no one's available to talk to anybody. Then I would get handed a piece of paper that said so-and-so called you. R written down like memo style? <laughs> memo style. It would go right. on my desk and they'd yep. be like, so-and-so called you. Take this message. Okay. So now while I'm working, well, when am I going to call this person back? You know, yes, in a perfect world, be immediately. I drop everything I'm doing. How did that actually work out? No, I'm in the middle of writing a brief. So I'd actually just let that message would sit there. What if it fell off, you know, the back of fell your desk? Fell off my desk. Yeah, that happened <laughs> right? all the time. Um, and guess what? In the meantime, that person who's dealing with something serious in their life is looking to talk to a lawyer, regardless of how they heard about us, is probably like, you know, maybe I should get somebody else to talk to about this because I haven't heard back from Guy in a couple hours. Or maybe they'd try calling back a bunch of times, or maybe they'd leave a voice message. Maybe they were able to find my, an email or something. But the point is, it's an extremely cumbersome process. I'd call them back. I'd leave them a voicemail because they didn't answer their phone because they're working during the day. We'd play phone tag for a little while. Finally, we'd get something on a calendar, and we'd try to move the process forward. But the point is, it's extremely cumbersome. And so that really struck me even back then. I was like, God, there's got you know, this isn't a really great way to do this. So that's one great way that CRM can help. The second one is, is, and you alluded to this, but gosh, we see this all the time. I'll remember this like, it was maybe like eight to 10 years ago. And, you know, we're doing, talking to a prospective client at AttorneySync and, you know, we'd be like, hey, how are you tracking open case files? Oh, we've got a yellow pad, right? I'll fax over our yellow pad of open case files to you. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not, uh, we're in one, we don't have, actually, we did have a, we had a digital fax, then we had like hello fax or something. So they could have technically faxed it to us, but even if they did, I wouldn't have been able to read it. It wouldn't have been very organized. And obviously they're not doing very sophisticated tracking. And so if either of those stories resonate with you and you're still kind of doing it, you know, whether you're serving clients that way, scheduling, this is the episode for you. Yeah, this is. And, and I think one of the, the keys on this is the CRM software used to be in the domain of the big players who could afford it, right? It was expensive, hard to customize, pain in the neck, no longer the case, right? So if you're a solo practitioner, you can now run 
a much more sophisticated organization than most large law firms are doing just five years ago, right? As a solo. And that's amazing. You know, the other thing uh, that I was thinking as you were talking about that, Guy, this is something I still fight with, and I can't believe we're still fighting with the legal industry about this. How did you hear about us? Right? Like, that is the most awful component of an intake that you could possibly do. So if you are still, and now that I've insulted half of the the listeners again, we haven't insulted listeners for a while. Since Um, last episode. (laughs) If you are still asking your prospects how they found you, keep listening. This is very much worth your while. So we kind of define what CRM is. Conrad, table stakes features that any CRM software worth its salt should have. Yeah, so there are a couple components to this that I think are very important. Number one, data openness, right? So the ability to pass data between systems, right? And so intake management software is really just a very small portion of that prospect experience with you. And so you need to be able to bring in phone records. You need to be able to export that into your matter management system. You need to be able to do things like take in Google Analytics data. And if you run a closed system, you can't do that, right? And there are some legal specific intake management software and matter management software that is a closed system because it doesn't talk to anyone else. That is utterly stupid. Number two, for me, at the very least, there needs to be a field where you can do source attribution So you know where your prospects are coming from. Now, that does not mean, how did you hear about us? That means going to another piece of software somewhere and finding, having having the software tell you why they called you. So your dynamic call tracking from CallRail, for example, that would work. But better yet, what I really wanted to do is automatically populate. I wanted to automatically create that record and I want that data source, the source field of why that person found you, to be automatically populated. Those things are just so unbelievably important. Yeah, and from my perspective, I think, I know that the lines get fuzzy between what we're, because I know people are listening to this and might be a little more deeper in the weeds here. They're gonna be like, well, there's a difference between CRM and practice management and marketing technology stack and yada, yada, yada. But for me, whatever's handling intake, if your CRM is gonna be a form on your website, or as you mentioned, it's going to your phone number, or your email system is going to run through your CRM, and I think it should, it's table stakes to have autoresponders set up so that you can actually stop the person shop. I think it's table stakes to be able to have automation triggers. So whether that's, um, you know, firing an automation through someone, you know, making a phone call or sending an email, the more sophisticated ones can actually do it based on visits to site and things like that. But that to me, and you you mentioned this, but I think it's, it's worth really hitting that point. The automation aspect of CRM is such a mutually beneficial tool. And you know, we talked about this on the episode with uh, George Saharis, and so I'd tell you to check that one out again. But using your CRM to automate the parts of the process that lend themselves to automation right. is a mutually beneficial thing, both for your potential clients, your clients, and for your firm. And so, I mean, you brought up a really interesting thing is this automation thing. I think, or not that I think, there are more than a few matter management systems that have tacked on kind of Mr. Potato Head style, what they're calling intake management, but it's not, right? It's just a field that says source. That's not intake management. And so a lot of the matter management software is out there, even though it's built on a similar platform that you could really use for sophisticated intake management, not really there. 
And yeah. so that automation is unbelievably important. And I'll give you a really pragmatic reason why. If you are doing things manually, your front desk people are not going to bother to do data entry around the spam calls that they receive because they don't think it's a good use of their time. Actually, it's really important data. So for example, if you learn that 80% of your leads that come from Google Ads are spam, that's really important data to have. And if your intake person is not entering that data because it feels like a waste of his time, you're losing that information. And so my take on this is the automation provides not just accuracy, but comprehensiveness in your data and in your performance. And that is unbelievably important. The other yeah. thing, Guy, you talked about this in terms of, of stopping the shop, integration with calendar. That was the third thing that I probably should have said. Integrating with your calendar. So when someone calls in and your front desk decides that they want to, to schedule that person with you, you can do that very, very easily. And by integrating with a calendar, if that's integrated into your CRM system, you can now talk about your consultations. You can talk about your marketing in terms of the consultations that are generated. You can talk about how many consultations you have instead of how many leads. Who wants to talk about leads when you can talk about consultations and clients, right? Much more important. Yeah, and that brings me to my kind of final feature. And you know, in some ways, you could argue maybe it's not table stakes because you can always export the data and build your own. But native reporting, it's you know, a lot of lawyers out, especially in legal context, a lot of the lawyers, you know, they're not they're not uh, Google Data Studio and Microsoft Power BI wizards. And so, having a native reporting system that can show you you know, new prospects by source and how they're moving through a pipeline and, and ideally things like cost per acquisition of a client or return on an ad spend of a campaign. Like that to me has got to be table stakes. Like so many CRM providers that are like, you know, they cover a lot of those other basics and their reporting is just not so great. So if you're having conversations with CRM vendors, definitely ask about the reporting capabilities and, and as Conrad mentioned, the integrations. I think that that's just so, so important. And I would be... Remiss in not warning you, be careful about letting your marketing agency do the reporting because they will do everything they can to make themselves look good. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to get into some of the specific players in the CRM world. Well, we're back from our break. And as we periodically do, we got a review. And the title of the review is Legal Marketing Gurus. Conrad, I know you identify as a guru. so <laughs> I write it all over the is, place. This is for you. So I think the key here is if you call yourself a guru, maven, or ninja, you're kind of a, you're not. But if someone else does, it's okay. Okay. Let's leave so it at that. So here's our review. Capital A-L-L. All the smart things I need to stay current and so much more fun than trying to figure it out myself. Love staying ahead of the curve with you guys. Thanks for all you do via Apple Podcasts. I'll take it. I think this is my friend, Zach, I believe. So okay. if it's Zach, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the kind words. We appreciate you. We appreciate all the rest of you. And if you're a regular listener, please do go drop some feedback in wherever you like to review podcasts or hit us up at hashtag LHLM. Even if it's not on Spotify anymore. That's okay. That's all right. All right, now, Guy, I know that you have a pretty close relationship with the intake management software world with Matt Spiegel from Lawmatics. Tell us about Lawmatics. I do. I have to disclose that yeah. I am very close. I have a dog in the fight for Lawmatics. But 
one of the things I love about lawmakers, not not even because uh, they're not the only ones who do this particular aspect, but you know, when I talked early on to Matt, part of his vision was to focus on delivering the reporting. And that, you know, that's a long time ago when they first started. They've added a lot of features to that. But, you know, they're a great option right now, I think. Uh, you know, legal specific and obviously I'm biased because I'm helping influence the product there. But uh, you want to check, I'd, I'd put the Lawmatics reporting against a lot of the other players in legal tech. Fair, totally fair. Yeah. The other thing I would say, I am not an investor, so I can gush over Lawmatics genuinely. I wish I was an investor, to be blunt. So one of the things we haven't talked about, this this kind of gives me the willies a little bit, especially with this type of data. Lawmatics is completely independent. Now, they're venture-backed, but their data... One, so let me, let me give you the ugly side of this. You're dealing with very, very valuable data, right? So the information that Guy and I have been talking about, the data that we want you to generate to evaluate how your firms are doing, that's amazingly valuable information. And I get very leery of the ability of firms, agencies, right? Or or even a larger conglomerate having access to the things that make your firm go around, right? And, because- and to, just to clarify there, there are definitely CRM providers that have agency leadership that that could become an issue. Yeah, I would research the background of who you're... So, so the point being, Lawmatics, totally independent, right? And bluntly... I think their technology is super solid. Their interface is really easy to work with. It's sophisticated. And sorry, we're going to move on from Lawmatics, but they are also independent, which I really, really like. I, I think that is something not, I mean, you're really exposing your yourself when you're sharing the data that drives the growth of your firm with the guy across the street through either your agency or the tool competitor. Provider. That's yeah, scary. Right. Yeah, yeah. Another lawyer. That's that. That's the one that really scares me too. Yeah. Cleo. Okay. We talked about Clio, Clio Grow. Clio Grow was a product called Lexicata, which I believe was the second ever legal marketing specific intake management software that was purchased, I believe, and I think this is accurate, Guy, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think that was Clio's first acquisition. Is that true? That is true, to okay. my knowledge. Public uh, I, acquisition, so if, I suppose. If you and I both believe that, then it is 100% true. And our <laughs> listeners heard it on the internet. So it yeah. has to be true. So Clio Grow and Clio Matter, I think the one, and, and so it's an, it's an easy choice if you use Clio Matters. Clio Grow is an obvious and easy choice. I think the one ding I would have on that is the integration between the two is not as seamless as one would think it would be, given that they're both owned by Clio. And so that's my knock on Clio Grow. But it is a fairly easy to use tool, and it, it integrates okay with Clio Matters. Anything else you want to add on that one? No, I think it's solid. And, um, you know, I think the thing I really like, if you go just do some research on, um, you know, Jack Newton talking about his vision for supporting the client from the time of first interaction with the law firm all the way through the journey to even beyond, you get a really a good sense that, you know, one, they've got a great leader at the helm. They've got a really strong foundation. They obviously have a lot of market share. They obviously are are well uh, funded, and so again, I think that these those kind of things do play into your decision. You know, one of the things we always I always ask vendors, I'm like, are you guys funded? Because if you're going to invest the time to get something set up and configured, you better hope that it's going to be there next two years, five years. It also speaks to the innovation, right? Because they've got the resources to actually innovate, add new features, yada yada yada. So great option. 
Yeah, I, I mean that that I can't. So the, the little anecdote on that of, of is it funded? Is it going to be around for a while? These tools, when they are abandoned, become obsolete very quickly. So I, I mentioned Litify was the was the second legal specificity management system. The first was Avo Ignite. We talked about Avo last week. Avo Ignite was a great and and actually we'll go deep on this because it's enlightening. Avo Ignite was a really good, albeit simplistic and manual process to try and do exactly this. And it was launched a long, long time ago. Two things. One, it was never supported, right? And so it very quickly became super, super difficult to keep up. When you're dealing with an, a very important internal process, changing the software is changing the process, changing the way people do things. And that is a huge pain in the neck. So a lot of, we had a bunch of clients who held on to Avo for a long time, but Avo never updated it. And so it became increasingly difficult. And then one day we just got an email. It was like, all right, we're turning it off on, on Thursday. Good luck, right? Not great at all. The other thing, and this is why I brought up the data concerns, is Avo Ignite was really good at gathering data about how Avo advertising was working, as well as all of the other marketing channels. It was designed to gather data about how other marketing channels were working for law firms. Super, super valuable data for Avo to have in terms of their pricing and their value and what they should do, right? And so I watched that happen firsthand, and that's why I am paranoid about your own digital marketing business intelligence. And I think everyone should be paranoid about that. Yeah. And just to give, so if people are not quite connecting the dots there, I'm going to try to give a, another analogy. And again, I'm not suggesting that this is going on, but this is a- You are a, suggesting it's going I'm on. Just, I think I'm going to frame it in a way that I think it will resonate more with people. If that it's not going on, the potential for it to go on is right there. The potential is, go, is right there. But you know, think about Google Ads. If you feed all of your business data into the Google Ads platform, because you know Google will say, "Oh, well, we can optimize your ad spend better to you know cost per acquisition or return on ad spend." They're also they're also the game that sets the price of the clicks. So I'm not saying Google does that, but that's the analogy. You know, if you're buying ads from somebody, and they also have all of your data it lends itself to them to be able to say, oh, hey, we know what their margin is on these clicks or on this media spend. We could raise the price. Yep. That's the short version. Or take those those really great performing campaigns and bring it to the guy across the street. Right. Right. And if you want to scare the shit out of yourself, go look on ZipRecruiter for data scientists and look for all the legal marketing providers. A data scientist is someone who specializes in gathering a ton of data and finding patterns. Right. And so don't think this isn't happening. It's 100% happening. So who else is on your short list? CRM so and legal. The other short list. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with the two biggies that we like. They're insanely expensive. They're both built around the PI world. The lead docket and Filevine integration, really solid, really expensive. And we basically have our clients who are on it, who are spending a ton on it. They love it. And the other one to bring into this is Litify. We also have a bunch of clients on Litify, also extremely expensive. Litify is built on Salesforce. So a lot of you, so Salesforce was kind of the original big boy in the CRM world. It is amazingly extensible, but it is a kind of clunky pain in the neck to work with. And so Litify was built on top of Salesforce, also very well loved among the PI world. It is also designed and heavily influenced by Morgan & Morgan, and it is designed to really pass referrals within that network. So you can look at that with eyes wide open in terms of a good thing or a bad thing, right? So 
Because you opened the door for this, Gee, I'll walk right through it, and I appreciate you doing so because I know you were you were leading me down this path that I want to talk about. My take, our take for at the Mockingbird side of things, we love HubSpot. HubSpot is not legal specific, so it requires an extensive amount of integration into a firm. Some of the beauties of HubSpot are the scalability. It's priced from $49 to we have clients who spend over $3,000 a month on it because it does lots of different things and it can scale as you grow. And the other thing that HubSpot does better than I will say better than anything else out there is they've added onto it so much. So there's so much more that you can do with it. So the level of sophistication, if you are a really, really big spender, highly sophisticated firm, and you want to do some amazing, like absolutely cutting edge stuff, it's really hard to do that within a lot of the existing, especially the legal specific stuff in HubSpot. It's just built into what they do. Right. And right. it's it is fantastic. That's our that is our pick. If I were to start a law firm myself and start from scratch, that's where I would go. And I'm gonna throw one more non-legal specific one, um, just for folks that are shopping. Check out Active Campaign. Yep. I would say it's maybe call it HubSpot Light, but they do a lot of the things really, really well as well. Two other points I want to make here, and then we're gonna wrap up because we're running out of time here. Actually, I'm gonna make one point and then we're gonna wrap up with our <laughs> final question. One point is, and I think this is a great idea for a future episode, Conrad is you alluded to this idea of it only makes sense to invest heavily in the technology if you're actually running a lot of, you know, a heavy advertising investment or heavy marketing investment going on. And I think we should do an episode on some of your formulas for the engine versus the gas conversation yeah. and how to make a decision about that. I think that's really important. But short version, and HubSpot pitches this, it's only as expensive as it's not getting you from point A to point B, right? Just like marketing is. So it's right. actually, if it's, if it's helping you increase conversion rates, it's actually making you more efficient. Uh, it pays for itself. Yeah, I mean, it, it pays for itself. And I think this is where, where this is why we like HubSpot, the, the flexibility of it. Your CRM should generate a lot more business and a lot more data. And the value of that business and data is, if done and allocated correctly, dramatically larger than the investment that you'll make in CRM, period, right? Okay. Um, and that's what you're talking about. What's your number one tactical tip for CRM? This is hard. And this is based on my experience watching Ignite kind of flounder, but also our experience now of working with law firms to get CRM deployed. Most lawyers will sit through a salesperson demo. They'll see all these amazing reports right? And they'll be like, wow, I can start running my business more like a business. This is awesome. And so they will take the CRM system and plunk it into their organization. And then they'll be pissed two months later when it doesn't work, right? Doesn't, it doesn't, it's not doing what I thought that was going to happen. The reality is CRM adoption is really dependent on a couple things. One is working with the people who do the work, right? You need to make their lives easier, Otherwise, they're not going to change the way that they do the work, period. And so the top-down approach doesn't work. It's the bottom-up approach. The second thing, and especially for really sophisticated systems that have kind of lots of extensibility, do this slowly. Implement one thing, then implement the next thing. Implement. You will learn the system and learn what it can do and what it can't do by doing that. Whereas if all of a sudden you're like, if you try and launch the perfect thing on day two, it will flounder and you will not understand the software the way you think you do, right? And so you asked for one tip I gave two. I like to- I was gonna say, you may have given us like 10, but um, <laughs> mine's gonna be a lot shorter than yours, but I think you provide a lot of good points in there and I 
can feel a lot. I empathize with a lot of those I've seen a lot that happen a lot with law firms. Mine is nurture campaigns, front end, right? So nurturing someone that reaches out to you that might not be ready to hire you, but maybe they want to download something from your site or they want to like, you know, do something to get to know you better. CRM is fantastic for moving someone from like, I'm just kind of interested in this to what they need to know to actually make a hiring decision and then nurturing on the back end, right? Every law firm we talk to, what are you doing to stay in touch with former clients? Nothing. This CRM handles that for you. It can automatically fire out happy new year message or, you know, happy new year text. And again, there's not, you got to configure it. So you're sending the right messaging to the right group of people, but nurturing on the front end and back end of that client journey makes all the difference in the world. hundred percent. And you guys all know you should do it and you don't because it's hard. Make it easy with CRM. We sound like CRM salespeople now. We are CRM. We're joining the CRM sales force. Oh, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> with that terrible pun. That terrible pun. Thank you again, dear listeners and subscribers and followers. If you have questions, ideas for show topics, please do reach out to us, LHLM, drop us a review. And if you just landed here randomly because you were hitting auto shuffle on your podcast thing, then um, make sure you subscribe so you can get future episodes of Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Until then, Guy and Conrad out. Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.